What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Tom Shifflett Podcast. I am your host, Tom Shifflett. Thank you for joining me on this beautiful Wednesday evening. Oh man, what a great, what a great couple of days it's been. My Pittsburgh Steelers—they've been big. They look impressive on Monday Night Football against the New York Giants, and Kawhi Leonard, the best player in the world. And the Los Angeles Clippers, the team to beat in L.A., the team to beat in the NBA, they blow a 3-1 lead against the Denver Nuggets. They lose Game 7. Not only do they lose Game 7, they get run off the court in Game 7 to Nikolai Jokic, Jamal Murray, and the Denver Nuggets. Absolutely incredible. Oh, man. So great. And I mean, the game before that, I'll I'll get into the Heat and Celtics first before I really start going on a tangent about the Los Angeles Clippers. So game one, Eastern Conference Finals started. Miami Heat, they take game one in overtime. Uh, just what a great game, man. This series is going to be so much fun. I am so excited for the rest of the series. I still am taking Celtics in six. I sounded really shaky about it on... What was that? Monday? Yeah, Monday when I recorded and made my prediction for Celtics and six. But again, I left a little disclaimer there that Kemba Walker's play has been shaky at best. And it's really concerning me for the Celtics to advance. And Kemba Walker just, he's been bad. He's just been flat out bad. So the past three games, so game six and game seven against Toronto and then game one Last night, he is a combined 13 of 46. I did the math. That's 28% from the field. That's just not going to get it done, man. That That is bad, especially when they're missing Gordon Hayward and they need another punch in the arm. It's it's bad, man. Uh, look, <laughs> Kemba Walker, I made the joke, he's not used to playing this long into the season because, you know, he's a career loser. And then, you know, I've had people comment you know he's not a loser he's won at every level he hasn't won in the nba level this is the first time he's been out of the first round this is he's he's a career loser he's only been over 500 three times in his entire career i mean he's been a loser and charlotte they weren't any good and he's a part of that he wasn't a very good player he wasn't a winning player and i still don't believe that kimball walker is a 16 game player like jimmy butler is i don't think i don't think he's one of those dudes i just don't think he's a guy who's going to come up big in the playoffs and win you a playoff series i don't think kim is that guy and that doesn't mean he's a bad player it's just some guys just aren't built for the postseason like we're seeing with paul george the past couple of years he's an 82 game player he's not a 16 game player it's something it's one of the the best things that draymond has ever said is that there are the there are 16 game players and there are 82 game players and draymond green is the definition of a 16 game player he's a guy that you want on your team to get those last 16 wins to win a championship like jimmy butler is for the heat he absolutely just willed the heat to win that game in game one at 
it looked like multiple points in the fourth quarter. They were dead in the water, and Jimmy Butler just put his head down, went to the basket, and he just made things happen. And he's just a fearless dude, and you just know he's going to make something happen. And it's the same thing with Tyler Hero, like 20 years old, the big time minutes that he's playing in crunch time, the trust that Eric Spolstra has in him. He's been absolutely incredible. The top, either top 10 pick in this year's draft for Tyler Hero, straight up, I would. And I, it would be, I would win that trade easily. I, I'd rather have Tyler Hero than any dude that's coming out of this year's draft. I don't even care. I would trade number two. I'd trade number one. I'd trade all the way down. I would. Uh, Tyler Hero is going to be a stud, man. He is just, he's different. And he's so much fun to watch. This Heat team, I love this Heat team so much. Kelly Olenek and Jay Crowder. But Jay Crowder, I mean, I got to tip my hat off to him. He's been really great. Um, You know, me and everyone else on Cavs Twitter have dubbed him, you know, Trashman99 because his Twitter handle is Bossman 99, so he'd be Bunsman 99, Trashman 99, any kind of thing like that. He was really bad in Cleveland, so, and we didn't like him that much in Boston. He was kind of an irritator and an agitator, and, and, you know, I wasn't a big fan of his, but Jay Crowder, when he's shooting like this, the ceiling for Miami is one of the best teams in the league. Like, when he's knocking down shots like this, along with Hero, and Goran Dragic has been just absolutely insane in these playoffs so far and oh, the heat are dangerous man and bam is really really good and daniel tice he is having uh he's gonna have a really long series and i don't it doesn't sound like i'm very confident in the celtics but i think at the end of the day jason tatum he's gonna be the difference in this series he should have closed out game one he took a lot of stupid shots uh, towards the end in crunch time, and he's just got to be better with that shot selection. And he he could have t- gone to the cup a couple times and just he could have made something happen or made the force the referees to make something happen. But he kind of just took some haphazard step back threes, three straight possessions to close the quarter out in the fourth, and it's just you can get better than that. You're one of the most talented scorers in the world, and he just doesn't act like it sometimes. But they need Kemba Walker to find his jump shot. He has been absolutely AWOL. They need him bad. This is this is a straight-up pick-em series, man, and they need Kemba going. And if Kemba can't get it going, then I, I'd go Miami here. And, oh, boy, that... That play to end the game that Bam Adebayo made on Jason Tatum on that dunk, that, that is one of the greatest blocks I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm a person who watches LeBron James' chase down block on Andre Iguodala in Game 7 on a daily basis. That was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Mike, I felt like I broke my wrist just watching Bam Adebayo block that shot. The incredible thing is his hand doesn't even touch the rim. If his hand would have touched the rim, that would have been a goaltend and it would have been a good bucket. Not only does that, he doesn't foul him whatsoever. It's completely clean. He just goes up at the apex of Jason Tatum going up and just rejects it, man. It was absolutely beautiful. And that is one of the greatest defensive plays you will ever see. Adebayo, man, he is the heart and soul of the Miami Heat, like Jimmy Butler said. And I just, I'm so excited for this series to go forward um because brad stevens as much as i make fun of him calling basic brad he is a good head coach eric spolster one of the greatest coaches in nba history doesn't get a lot of respect because he had lebron and wade but he is one of the best coaches in the world so those two guys are going to be playing chess against each other the whole series and i'm very excited for it and i think this is around the time that people are going to start appreciating how good of a basketball player marcus smart is and he's not just a guy who flails and flops around all the time like you'll see highlights and all that stuff he'll just flop around and you know you'll find out he got fined for for flailing around but he is legitimately one 
one of the best defensive players in the league, regardless of position. He can guard one through five. You'll see him stand up centers in the post. He is one of the most tenacious defenders in the league. And he's now become a knockdown three-point shooter. I think he's shooting around 40% in the playoffs so far. And it used to be you played the Celtics, you walked away from Marcus Smart. If he hit a shot, you'll win. That's fine. You'll live with that. You won that possession because Marcus Smart, a non-shooter, took it. But he is confident and he is knocking shots down. So that really changes the way that Miami is going to defend Boston because they have to respect Marcus Smart now and there's there's so many adjustments that each team is going to make throughout this and they're just going to be it's going to be so much fun I can't uh, I'm so excited for this series man we're going to get hopefully we get seven games I think we're going to get seven games I say Celtics in six but the way that Kemba's playing and I have no faith that that guy is going to turn it around so I I think we're going to get seven games and I think we're all going to be winners on that one so now now we can get into the good stuff the Clippers man the the LA Clippers. So going into the game last night, they they had a stat go up that the Los Angeles Clippers were looking to break a 49-year drought of going to the conference finals. 49 years. That's, that is fifty fifty years they haven't been to the conference finals. They are 0-7 in clinching games to get into the conference finals. So it's just... Even though these teams, all of these teams over the 50 years, they're not related whatsoever. They are related. It's I, It doesn't matter who was on that team, and it doesn't matter who they were playing. It's just the Clippers are the Clippers. And it's the same thing with the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the New York Knicks are the New York Knicks. Regardless of who's on the team, they're still going to be the New York Knicks. And the Clippers are still going to be the Clippers. And, and it, they just fell apart. And the thing is, is that before you even get into the actual game of it, you have to look at the whole totality of this season. So Kawhi Leonard, he holds Los Angeles and Steve Ballmer essentially hostage. He gets a boat for his uncle Dennis, who is also his agent, and he demands that Steve Ballmer sells the farm and gets Paul George as his running mate. And uh, they send five first-round draft picks to Oklahoma City, along with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, one of the most promising shooting guard prospects in the league, Danilo Gallinari, who is a very stable and steady veteran who could help any playoff team, no matter who would have helped this Los Angeles team out a whole lot, but send them for Paul George. Now, Paul George is one of the best two-way players in the world. He is he is a superstar talent. He has one of the best skill sets in the league. And it just, again, we're getting back to 16 players and 82-game players. Paul George is an 82-game player. Lou Williams, 82-game player. Montrose Harrell, 82-game player. Patrick Beverly, 82-game player. These guys, they're not 16-game players. Kawhi Leonard is a 16-game player. But... Kawhi Leonard was in a was in uncharted territory this year. So he had to come in and not only become the leader of this team, which he's never had to do before. When he was with San Antonio, he had some of the greatest leaders in NBA history on his team already with Mono Ginobili, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan. Like he didn't have to lead whatsoever. All he had to do was just go hoop. He gets traded to Toronto. Toronto already had such a winning culture, and they were just LeBron James getting the hell away from them from being in the finals. And that's all it took, and it was just some mental block that they had. And once LeBron left, you saw it. They they kind of just relaxed, and they knew, hey, we're good enough to be in the finals. We should be in the finals. LeBron's not here to get in our way anymore. We can do this. Kyle Lowry, I don't like the guy at all. (laughs) I'm not the biggest Kyle Lowry fan, but he is one of the best leaders in basketball. He was the reason that they were, you know, a win away from being in the conference finals again. 
and possibly beating Miami and being in the finals back-to-back years. Not only did Kawhi have to be a leader, which he's not, and it's been pretty clear he hasn't been a very good one this season, he had to bring and instill a whole new environment, a whole new culture to Los Angeles, something that they don't have, they've never had, is just a winning culture and feel about them. And Kawhi didn't do a very good job of that either. I mean, it's just not something that Kawhi is built to do. It's it's one of those things where you kind of have to appreciate what LeBron has done by going to these teams and transferring from you know Cleveland, coming to Cleveland, bringing that winning culture to them as an 18-year-old kid, building some kind of foundation of a winning, stable organization. Then he goes to Miami. Miami was kind of yeah, they had the title years and years ago. We're not sure if Wade is still the same guy. They're kind of a lottery here, a lottery there. And it just it just clicks, and it's back to being that winning heat culture. LeBron was a part of bringing that back. He goes back to Cleveland, who was an absolute train wreck while he was gone. They had the worst record in basketball while he was gone. And then they're in the NBA Finals four straight years. That's just, it, it takes a certain type of player to be able to do that. And Stephen Curry is one of those guys. Curry could go anywhere, and he could bring that winning culture into them because he's just that kind of guy. He's one of the best leaders in the sport, and Kawhi's not that guy, and he's never been that guy, and I don't know if he ever can be that guy. It was absolutely incredible to watch the Clippers flail around and go through this this game where just the wheels are falling off, and there's just nobody there to kind of just, hey, guys, we're good. Let's right the ship. We're good. Just let's hit a couple shots. We're fine. Like, there was nobody. Ka- Kawhi didn't say a word. He didn't say anything. You watch him on the court. He didn't say anything. He wasn't talking to anybody at all. And it was the most emotional and kind of demonstrative. And I've ever seen Kawhi. He was usually a, a complete robot. But he was just, he was complaining to the referees. And he was, the, the looks on his face, it was just, I've never seen Kawhi look like that before. And it looked like the guy was legitimately shook. And one of the biggest games of his career. And uh, if, if you're going to be considered the best player in the world. Like every person on the face of the earth tried to tell me this year. They tried to tell me that Kawhi, he's the best player in the world. He's better than Steph. He's better than LeBron. He's better than Kevin Durant. He is the best player in the world. I just, and I just kept pushing back. No, he's not. He's not. And I'm not taking anything away from Kawhi. Like, he's not good. He is, he's a top five player in the world. He's not the best. He's not LeBron. He's not Curry. He's not KD. Those are the three best players on the planet, and I'm not going to entertain anybody else. I'm not. Giannis showed this year that he's still got work to do before I can start putting him there. And Kawhi, he has some serious work to do as a leader. And I just, I wish, I don't have a problem with Kawhi leaving Toronto. I think the the best idea for him, honestly, was to just stay in Toronto because they were guaranteed a, a back-to-back championship. They were. If Kawhi is still in Toronto, they're going to win the title. That team is just perfectly built. It's well-structured. And then you have Kawhi who just come in there and just hoop and just do what he did last year. Just put him on their back and just play. He doesn't have to worry about leading and rallying the troops. He's just going out there, be a serial killer on the court, and just win games. And I just... I think Kawhi should have just thought more clearly about making Balmer and Doc sell the farm for Paul George. I just I just can't believe he sold he he was just I'm hitching my wagon to Paul George. Paul George was horrendous last night. He was bad. At one point he hit the side of the backboard on a corner three and I fell out of my off the couch and I just laid on the floor because I couldn't believe what I just saw. 
it was bad. Like, let's get into the game here. I mean, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George combined for 14 points. They were 10 of 38 from the floor, seven turnovers, and combined, they were a negative 41. They also combined for zero points in the fourth quarter. That's just unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Especially when you are a guy who's considered the best player in the world. No. No. No, 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 no. LeBron, not too long ago, had a zero-point fourth quarter in a game they won by 18 points over the Portland Trailblazers, and people were on TV talking about LeBron's got to be better in the fourth quarter. What? You're going to crush a guy because he didn't score in the fourth quarter when he was up almost 20 points? What are we doing here? If if LeBron would have had a game like Kawhi, we would never stop talking about how horrible LeBron is. I was just talking about that today, and someone brought up his series against the Mavericks. That was almost 10 years ago. What have you done for what has he done since? Oh, he's he's missed the finals one time since then. It's just you you have to be able to to take your team to the next level. You have to take your game to the next level. The Clippers came out, they punched him in the face. They were up 13 points early and Jamal Murray didn't give up. He kept hitting shots. He was he was they couldn't guard him last night. He was absolutely Incredible, complete control. There was nothing he could have, anybody could have done. Kawhi was on him. Beverly was on him. Nobody could do anything with Jamal Murray. It looked like he was throwing the ball into the ocean. He was just on fire, locked in, and he kept Denver in it. I was sitting there watching the game, and I'm looking at my girlfriend. I'm just telling her, I was like, all Jamal Murray has to do, all Jokic has to do is just keep him close. Just keep him close. Just knock it down to like 10 and half. Get in the single digits at half. They get it to 10 points. Then they get it to eight. Then they're down two at halftime. And I look at her and I'm going, Denver's going to win this game. Kawhi did not. He did not take control of that game when he had the chance to, man. And it just, it was frustrating. And there were points in that game where all Kawhi had to do was just turn it on and take that game over. And it was theirs. And it just, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And Denver played their asses off the past three games. They played with a team to nothing with nothing to lose and they're not supposed to be here anyway, so they just played their asses off and I just have to tip my cap to the Denver Nuggets. I made fun of them a lot for over the season. I made fun of them in the Utah series a lot. I made fun of them when they won the Utah series. I you know, I said they were the biggest frauds in the league. I still I don't I can't call them frauds anymore. I can't call them soft. Uh, they are a really good team, and they deserve to be in the Western Conference Finals. For the Clippers, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, when do we start having the Doc Rivers conversation? Because I love Doc Rivers a lot. I think he is a good head coach. I don't think, and I still think he's one of the best head coaches in the league, but I think I think he's overrated as a coach. And I think, look, man, I, I don't understand your strategy the past two games. So Nikolai Jokic, his biggest strength is his playmaking ability and his passing ability. So you double-team him the whole time so he has nothing to do but pass the ball. His biggest strength. What? If anything, you should have just let him score and stuff. You know? Just let him get his own. It's kind of that thing that that Steve Kerr kind of did with LeBron. Um, He kind of just let LeBron go crazy and just score a million points. And it kind of just takes everyone else out of the game. It takes LeBron out of the game. That's kind of the way he kind of 
that's how he has a feel for the game. He's constantly trying to facilitate and get people going. And that's the same way Jokic plays. And if you let Jokic just look at double teams and then just pass the ball, which he's already the best in the league at doing, I just, it made no sense. It just made no sense. And they didn't do anything whatsoever to try and make Jamal Murray's life difficult. It was just arrogance. Just This Clippers team, they were one of the most unlikable teams I've ever seen. I the the entitlement that they played with all year that they acted like they just came off a four year run to the finals every year the way they were playing the way they were interacting on the bench and just the way they talked post game it's just like you guys haven't earned anything the only person who has earned a little bit of that is Kawhi Leonard and he's not that kind of guy but everybody else man uh Patrick Beverly Jesus he was a nauseating all year that guy hasn't done anything Lou Williams, the way he was in her. I mean, Montrez Harrell, Jesus. I mean, it's just, look. And then a lot of, I'm already seeing the narrative where it's like, well, you know, LeBron, he got another easy final trip. He ducked Kawhi. He didn't duck Kawhi. Don't start that narrative. Kawhi lost. He should have won. He should have put Denver away three games ago. But he didn't. And you know what? And then people are saying, oh, well, LeBron, he got the easy route to the final. Yeah, because that's why you play hard in the regular season. You get rewarded for playing hard in the regular season. The Clippers didn't. The Clippers didn't play hard in the regular season. The Clippers load managed all the time. The Clippers, they kind of just coasted through the regular season, and you get bad draws. That's what happens. Like, you should play hard in the regular season. That's the incentive. So you duck bad matchups. You get the easiest way to the finals. They didn't do that. This team, they had zero team chemistry whatsoever, and they didn't really make an attempt to get any of that team chemistry. They just kind of gambled and bet and doubled down on their talent, and I I just... Uh, I, I just... So the Clippers, they don't have a first-round pick until 2027. How do you expect this team to get any better? They're completely capped out. They really have no tradable assets whatsoever. I, it, this team all comes down to just Kawhi Leonard has to be superhuman. Absolutely superhuman. More superhuman than he usually is. And I just I don't see I just don't see how that happens, man. And look, I I tried saying this all year, and I tried telling people this all year that the Clippers were not the team to beat in L.A. Kawhi Leonard is not the best player in the world. He's not better than LeBron James. I literally had people look at me in my eye with straight faces and tell me that LeBron James isn't the best player in the world. Try to tell me that this Clippers team would beat the L.A. Lakers in a seven-game series. I just, how? In what way? How would they do it? Matchups. What matchup? What is it? LeBron and Kawhi would essentially negate each other. So then it comes down to Anthony Davis and Paul George. Who are you riding with? I'm riding with Anthony Davis, right? Who is going to guard him? Nobody. Zubach? No. I mean, I've already gotten into this. Like, Oh, they're deep. Deep means nothing in the playoffs. Depth means absolutely nothing in the playoffs. That's a regular season thing, man. In the postseason, it's all about your best guys against somebody else's best guys. That's it, man. You should be playing eight guys tops. So, uh, 
Well, man, uh, it, reports are already coming out that Doc is staying, and Steve Ballmer isn't going to make a head coaching change. I think that's kind of foolish. I think they should make a change. I, maybe they do. I mean, Doc Rivers, he's he's had multiple 3-1 series leads blown. And that's, that's on coaching. I mean, Mike Malone coached circles around him. And it just, it's just the Clippers are the Clippers. You just you don't change that kind of just rain cloud that's over your team's head and just that snake bitten kind of like feel that the team has and the team has been a laughing stock for years and just Kawhi Leonard and Paul George coming isn't going to fix all of that they have to fix that themselves that's not just something you walk in and go well we're really good so this will work out no no it won't it won't and you know this Denver and LA series coming up I it should be fun I don't think it is. I think it'll be five games. I think the Lakers will fall asleep game one, or they'll kind of feel it out and figure out, you know, what they need to do to win the rest of the series. And Denver will probably take game one, and LA is going to win in five. I just, I don't, I just, this matchup just doesn't scream out a seven game series with the Lakers. It just, it doesn't for me. It just doesn't. This seems like an Anthony Davis is just going to go wild series because who is going to guard Anthony Davis? That's what, at the end of the day, that's what this whole conversation just keeps coming back to me with is who guards Anthony Davis? Who is it? Who's going to do it? Is it going to be Jeremy Grant or do you want Jeremy Grant guarding LeBron? Who's going to guard LeBron? Is Paul Millsap going to guard LeBron? Is Paul Millsap going to guard Anthony Davis? What are you going to do? Is Gary Harris going to guard LeBron? I just what do they do? Is Jokic going to guard Anthony Davis out on the perimeter? I don't know. I mean, Jokic was a, a complete nightmare in pick and roll on defense, and they, I mean, every time they went after him, they got a bucket. So I, it was very confusing why the why the Clippers kind of went away from that, and it was just coaching. His coaching was bad, and Kawhi was bad, PG was bad, Lou Williams was bad. It was all bad, and. I just I just didn't see it from the start. I didn't see it from the beginning of the year that this was the team that was going to represent the Western Conference in the finals. I just didn't see it. And rightfully so. It just they weren't better than the Lakers. Would that be a seven game series, those two? Absolutely, it would be. But they weren't gonna beat the Lakers. But it is what it is, man. I think Paul George has got I don't know what Paul George does, man. I, I, I just I don't know what he, it's. It's all in his head, man. Because as I was talking about earlier, he is one of the best two-way players in the league. He has all the potential in the world. He has all the talent. He has the ball handling, the size, the speed, the athleticism, the shooting ability. I just it does make sense why it doesn't come together when it matters most. And I think I think the Clippers will be back. I think. Kawhi is going to go on another level here, but, but I don't know. Is is he going to become that leader? I I just I don't think so, man. And nothing is guaranteed in the Western Conference after next year, after this year here. Nothing is. You're getting Stephen Curry back. Wardell Stephen Curry is coming back next year with a potentially reloaded Golden State Warriors. Who knows what they do with that number two pick and Anthony Wick or not Anthony Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins. Who knows what they do with that? 
who knows who they bring into the fold with that with another year of Draymond, Clay, and Steph. I mean, the West is going to be loaded. Is Dallas, they're going to take another step forward because Luka is going to take another step. He's going to take another leap. I know it's crazy to think about. He's already a superstar player, but he's going to take another leap in year three. He's already he's going to get better. That Dallas team is going to go up. Their ceiling is going to rise with every year of Luka. Oklahoma City, what are they going to do with all those picks and stuff? I don't know. I mean, there's the West is already difficult as hell. We saw the way Phoenix ended the way the bubble, and I don't see why they couldn't keep that up next year. Nothing is guaranteed out in the Western Conference, man. This isn't the Eastern Conference. This isn't. Where you got six teams, that you can kind of just lock them in, and the rest is kind of like, who gives a shit at that point? The West is... It's rough. So, the Clippers have a lot of work to do. I don't know how they get better. I just... I, it just doesn't make sense how they get better. There's just no way where it just jumps out on the page where they get better. Now, if they wouldn't have traded five picks for Paul George and Shea Gilders Alexander and Danilo Gallinari. That's a that's a pretty decent starting point for a Giannis trade, I think. I think that's one that you would you would kind of listen to and you can work from there. You could have Kawhi and Giannis, but now that I just that there's no way that happens. Now they I mean they can't. They're not even gonna be able to go to the table to talk to any of these teams about any player potentially, so Oh man. Clippers, man. Clippers, Clippers, Clippers. They're always going to be the Clippers. Just always remember that. The Clippers will always be the Clippers. And it just, Kawhi's not a guy who's going to change your culture. And we just saw that firsthand this year. He didn't do it. Maybe next year he, you know, I don't know, he picks Tim Duncan's brain about, you know, stuff like that. But I don't know, man. Clippers are in uncharted uncharted waters here because they have championship aspirations. Even though Paul George said in the press conference, this year wasn't title or bust for them. That's a lie. Because at his press conference, he says, we expect to win a lot of championships and we expect to do it now. You're a liar. And the excuses that the Clippers came with after the game. Oh my God. Oh my God. Doc Rivers went to the COVID stuff and then he was talking about how his players were tired and fatigued and... He couldn't play guys for more than a three-minute stretch because they were just so gassed. You guys load-managed half the season. You guys didn't even play most of the time. What are you tired from? You had three months off. What are you tired from? It was just pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. And Kawhi's talking about the team needs to have a higher basketball IQ. They need to get smarter if we're going to go where we need to go. Who was that directed towards? Anybody not named Ivan Zubac because he was the only guy who had a clue of what he was doing out there. It's just Doc Rivers. It just goes back to Doc Rivers. Your closing lineup is Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams, two guys who were essentially traffic cones out there, man. Those are your closers. It's just that works in the regular season. That does not work in the postseason. Doc Rivers just sticks to his guns, man. It's just uh, it's how those Boston KG teams went out so sad because he just didn't adapt to anything. And it just, oh, God. But, I mean, it's going to be a long, long offseason for the Clippers, and it's going to be a long offseason for those Clipper fans, all six of them. Most of the people just probably jumped off the bandwagon and they got their Lakers jersey as out of the closet, and they'll go back to rooting for the Lakers. Or when, you know, Steph comes back, they'll just root for the Warriors. So, 
Mm. I still can't get over that. Like I, I couldn't even go to sleep last night because I was just so giddy and just like, oh my god, I was so jittery and just like so excited. It felt like the Cavs have won the title again because they lost because it, like they were just so entitled, man. I just I couldn't get behind rooting for them at all. So it was nice to see them go down a couple pegs and Friday. Friday we get Lakers, Denver, Western Conference Finals. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm again. I'm I'm sincerely sorry to the Denver Nuggets. I am. I am very sorry. I just talked two weeks ago that I don't think Nikolai Jokic is a star player who can elevate you to win a playoff series, and he was incredible last night. He was absolutely, he was magical. It was he had everything going, man. What do you have? Sixteen, twenty-two, and twelve. Absolutely insane. Like, Gary Harris, a shooting guard, got the rebound, and he passed it to his center, Nikolai Jokic, to start the fast break. He's a, he's a unicorn out there. It's just, it's so it's so great, man. He moves like he has tree stumps for feet, and he's also on ice skates. But he dominated that series in every way possible. And Jamal Murray, if you ever have any doubts about whether you like Jamal Murray or not, Jamal Murray is incredible. He was so fun. He's been so fun this playoffs, and he's going to give L.A. a lot of trouble, and, and he's probably going to go for 50 in game one. Guarantee it. He's going to have one of those Dame Lillard like he did in game one. Harden like he did in game one. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it's going to be fine. And But the world is, they're going to freak out. Like, oh, here we go. Denver Nuggets, they're going to be in the finals. Now, the, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident saying Lakers in five. I just, this seems like a series where I just, I don't see it being that competitive, so. Oh, uh, all NBA teams came out today, so that was, look, these these voters are absolutely insane. Yeah, your first team all NBA, LeBron James, Luka Doncic, James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Anthony Davis. Okay, so and then so for your second team, you have Damian Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, Chris Paul, Pascal Siakam, Nikolai Jokic. So the voters decided that Luka decided or that Luka deserved to be first team All NBA because what he played three more games than Kawhi. I mean, there's no other reason that Luka would be ahead of Kawhi Leonard. Like, what are we doing here? Come on, man. That's insane. That's insane. Kawhi Leonard should not be second team All NBA. He should be first team. Lucas should be second. That's just uh, and Pascal Siakam being second uh, over. I mean, the third team: Russell Westbrook, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons, Rudy Gobert. So you're telling me Pascal Siakam had a better year than Jason Tatum did? Come on, man. Come on. I'm not saying Pascal shouldn't be All-NBA. He should be third team. And why? What is Russell Westbrook doing on the All-NBA team? What are we doing here? He really took Bradley Beal's spot? Russell Russell Westbrook. Are you kidding me? Come on, guys. This is absolutely... It's just ridiculous. Every year with this, they mess this up every goddamn year, man. I want to know who did it. Like, who, who really thought Russell Westbrook was an all-NBA player this year. you got to be kidding me. The way Bradley Beal was playing for Washington, 
what are we doing here, man? That's two years in a row Bradley Beal has been screwed out of an all-NBA spot. And the all-rookie teams came out the other day, which was chalk all across the board, of course. Well, except for second team that should have had Kevin Porter Jr., but it didn't. Kevin Porter Jr. didn't get any fucking votes. He didn't get any votes. Darius Garland got 14. Darius Garland was horrible. He was terrible. He got 14 fucking votes. It's just, do they even watch? I don't know. I just, I just want to, I just don't understand how this shit works. I don't get it. How? How? It's the same people who gave Hassan Whiteside more defensive player of the year votes than Rudy Gobert. Some people did. It's just, the, the system is broken. The voting system is broken. It's bad. It's really, really bad. So, congratulations to everybody who made the All-NBA teams. But, you know, every year there's going to be beef with these teams. Always. There always is. They've never gotten it right every single year. And there never will. So, I guess I can't be too, I can't get too upset about it. But it's just like, I feel so bad for Bradley Beal, man. That Washington team sucks. He plays his ass off every night. He's one of the best shooting guards in the league. And he just doesn't get any recognition for it. And hopefully somebody comes save him. But I don't going to budge whatsoever on him. I think they'll try and do John Wall and him one more time and see how that works. And I think it's a really strong backcourt that could do some stuff in the East. I, I don't think they're going to win titles or anything, obviously. And they're not going to go to the conference finals. But they're going to make the playoffs. They'll make some noise as long as John Wall is healthy. John Wall just turned 30. Yeah, he just turned 30. Like, that absolutely blew my mind last week. He feels like he's so much older than that. He's two years older than me. That shit just blows my mind. Yao Ming just turned 40, like, a couple days ago. Yao fucking Ming is 40. He's only 40 years old. It feels like he should be, like, 70 years old. Uh, what? No. That's, that's what I'm, that's the NBA. That's what I'm, I'm done with the NBA now. Clippers stink. They're frauds. I knew they were frauds. Came to fruition. Miami and Boston is going to be really fun. The Lakers, they're the team to beat. They always were the team to beat. And shout out to the Denver Nuggets. Shout out to Jamal Murray. Nikolai Jokic. The whole team. Jeremy Grant was great. Jeremy Grant was great. Michael Porter Jr., he was great off the bench. I don't think he can play a lot against the Lakers, though. He cannot defend, and he makes way too many stupid decisions. I just I don't see him having a big role in this Lakers series, but who am I to question anything that Mike Malone does? He is he is riding hot right now, so he's one of the best coaches in the league. Keep doing what you're doing, man. And We got, we got conference final basketball starting up Friday, but we'll switch gears here. We'll talk about recap Monday Night Football, and then we'll get into... Thursday night football, and then I'll talk to you on Friday. So Monday night football, bet, 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 bet. Steelers they win twenty six to sixteen over Daniel Jones and the New York Football Giants. Takeaways from this: so pretty early on, Ben Roethlisberger looked rough. He looked really bad. You know what he looked like? He looked like a forty year old guy who hasn't played football in a year. That's what he looked like. So it was pretty predictable that he was going to be really rusty and he was going to look bad. I said, you know, Monday when I recorded that it's going to be a close game probably because there's a lot of rust that Ben's going to shake off, and he certainly needed to shake off a lot of rust. He looked bad back there. But he had a nice little second quarter, 
He closed the second quarter out with a nice two-minute drive to get some points, and it looked like you're like, okay, Ben's back. And he looked really good. He looked really sharp in the second half. And Juju, it looked great to see him actually, you know, getting some targets, being involved, having fun. He's just a fun dude to watch, and it just he's one of my favorite players. So it's nice to see Juju actually look like a receiver again. Same thing with James Washington. That touchdown he had, he was just a grown man. That guy's so strong and powerful. And this is a former Belenikoff winner in college. He was the best college receiver while he was at Oklahoma State. So I just I think he's going to take a giant leap. And Deontay Johnson, it was really rough to start. He muffed the punt, and then he dropped a few balls, and then him and Ben were on the same page. But he turned those 10 targets into six catches for 75 yards, and he's an absolute weapon out there. And I'm very excited for the three of those to actually have a competent quarterback back there. And I, I see big things for this offense. And Benny Snell, man, that guy – he should be running back number one on the depth chart. I love James Conner, but the guy can't stay healthy. And when he's out there, he's just he's not that effective. Benny Snell is north south runner. He's gonna get you four or five yards. He's gonna break he's lost a lot of weight from last year. He did the classic Pittsburgh running back where he comes in, they draft heavy running backs, they they draft them around two twenty five, two thirty five, and then the second year they'll have them cut down about ten, fifteen pounds and they look a lot quicker. And Benny Snell looked really good. He should be the starting running back going forward. I don't know if that'll happen. I hope it does because he looked really good. And that defense, oh, man, I was talking about in the preview show, that defense is going to be good. That defense is going to be, this is going to be the best defense in football. That defense was out of, it was lights out Monday night, man. Oh, my God. What they did to Saquon Barkley, oh, my God. He had six yards rushing. They had 11 tackles for a loss. They were just they were in the backfield all night. Bud Dupree was a man on fire. TJ Watt was incredible. Pro Football Focus had him the highest rated defensive player from this week. He had a 90. He was great. That interception he had, he's going to be a defensive player of the year. I already said it. I said it in the previous show. He's going to be a defensive player of the year. This defense is going to be scary good. It's going to be goddamn good. And I feel really bad for Drew Locke coming into Pittsburgh next week. He had a pretty rough outing against Tennessee. It's going to get rough, rough for him next week. And I'm, like I said, this team is going to win the Super Bowl. And I'm sticking by it. This team is going to win the Super Bowl. This is going to be Super Bowl champions. Just book it. It's going to happen. And the Giants, I mean, they, they're going to be a very competitive team this year. Jason Garrett did some pretty creative stuff offensively. Daniel Jones looked really sharp. And they got some pretty decent wins out there. The uh, defense, it looked pretty okay at times I think a lot of that was just Ben being rusty but towards the end they couldn't stop a nosebleed so I I still think that that's probably that's probably a third place team in the east but I mean Washington who knows it's a coin flip between both of them honestly but there's some things that I mean Saquon Barkley's not going to be that bad again <laughs> he just that defense was just my God, man. He's probably still having nightmares, making sure nobody is jumping to get him. Oh, man. But that was a really good game, man. I was I was so happy that they looked that great. And the only the only down part was Zach Banner, the guy who is local fan favorite. He's such a great guy, and he's really a great dude. And he busted his ass to start this season. He tears his ACL in the mid-fourth quarter and just 
it's just heartbreaking stuff, man. He busts his ass so hard in that starting role, but luckily they have Matt Filer from last year who was their starting tackle, so they'll slide right in there. So uh, I just felt so bad for him. And you could just see him on the sideline. He was, like, crying and cussing, and he just, God, it's just, like, it's so heartbreaking. For a second, like, I forgot that the Steelers were even winning the game because it, it just felt that just demoralizing to lose that guy. But... He had surgery today, and he'll he said he's he'll bounce back. That guy busts his ass, so hopefully a speedy recovery for Zach Bander. Um, and then game two of the doubleheader on Monday night, the Tennessee Titans somehow beat the Denver Broncos sixteen to fourteen. Stephen Gustowski, Jesus, he was like point shaving Monday night. He missed three just easy middies, and he missed an extra point, but he eventually makes the game-winning field goal, so he makes up for all that stuff. But, God, what a roller coaster ride. And kickers, man. I was just talking about this on Monday. Why do kickers suck? Stephen Gustowski is one of the best kickers in the league, and he still sucks. So if you're not Justin Tucker, it doesn't matter. The rest of the kickers are terrible. It's I just don't get it. What? I just, why are they, why are they so bad? Someone explain it to me. Why are kickers so bad? I don't get it. Everything else is better. Everything. But the kickers. Kickers are worse. What? Anyway, I mean, Vic Vangio, what, what the fuck was that guy doing? I mean, so Tennessee is driving to end the game here. There's 90 seconds left in the game and they get in the red zone. They get into, you know, into scoring territory. Vic Vangio doesn't use any of his goddamn timeouts. He doesn't use any of them. He gives him, he has all of his timeouts in his pocket, but he gives Drew Locke 17 goddamn seconds to do something. What the fuck? You're like essentially still a rookie quarterback back there. Yeah, here you go. Here's 17 seconds to win the game. What the hell are you doing? And just the reasoning behind it was just like, what are you talking about? You've been involved in this game for 35 years. That made no goddamn sense what you're talking about. And just Denver shot themselves in the foot the whole time, man. Melvin Gordon comes in. He fumbles in the red zone early on. And then another series, not too far after that, just terrible play calling, putting Drew Locke in horrible positions in the red zone, and they come away with a field goal when they should have had a touchdown. Jerry Judy had a horrendous drop on third down. It was, oh, my God. It was a bad, bad drop. It's probably going to be the worst drop of his career because that guy's going to be a stud, but that was a really bad one on third down to open the second half to really kind of put themselves further ahead in this game and kind of take control of it, and it just it swung all the momentum right back to Tennessee. They had two bonehead personal fouls in the third quarter, led to the Titans' second touchdown. It's just... Denver was the better team all night, man. They looked really good. They averaged almost six yards of play. They didn't give up a single sack. Drew Locke looked a little shaky at times, but they're not fully healthy. Hamler wasn't out there. Cortland Sutton wasn't out there. So this Denver team is going to be good. They're going to compete. They're going to bust their ass, and it, it just sucks that Von Miller isn't going to be out there. And But the defense looked really good, and it's a shame that A.J. Boye went down, so he's not going to play the Pittsburgh game. Uh, Vic Vangio, man, he is back to the bullshit he was doing last year. So, but that was I. So I finished the week out strong on picks. I ended up going nine and six. I'll take it. So there's that. We start week two with a nice Thursday burner between Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. Oh boy, man, this is this is the ultimate get right game for Baker Mayfield. Does he take advantage of it? I don't know. Now, I am, I have been one of the biggest Baker Mayfield supporters. 
I think, you know, I was a big fan of his at Oklahoma, and I thought that, you know, he'd be the number one pick, and he would be worth the sole of the number one pick. I thought that his accuracy, despite his height, is really going to make him a starting NFL quarterback, a pretty pro bowler, and a very successful quarterback in this league, and it looked like that was going to come to fruition his rookie year, but the past two years, the ball placement has been bad. Like if you rewatch the Ravens game, like uh, he was just all over the place. And even with a clean pocket pro football focus ranked him as the 28th ranked passer when throwing out of a clean pocket, he was at a 59.7 rating, man. Like even when he wasn't running for his life, he still just couldn't put the ball where it needed to go. And I just, I don't know what it is. I just, it, it's time to kind of panic about Baker, honestly. And I'm, I've am i already, you know, I said I've, I've already, you know, kicked him off my fantasy team. But this, I'm talking about, like, real-life quarterbacking. It, it might be time to sell my Baker Mayfield shares here if he can't get it right and just trounce the Bengals. If him and Odell just don't click and get it together, this is the perfect opportunity, man. National television, get it going. Beat up the Bengals. Baker in his career versus the Bengals. He has an 84.9 pro football grade. Pro football footed. He has an 83.1 passing grade, and he has 12 big time throws in his career against Cincinnati. But I don't know, man. I just it's worrisome, and it's kind of it's it's getting hard to con to continue to defend Baker Mayfield. It's getting hard, man, and I don't know how much longer I can do it. So hopefully he can bounce back and he could kind of. You're like, hey, you know, Tom was right. He is he is a good quarterback still. Is look, I follow a lot of Cleveland people on Twitter because of, of the Cavs and everything, but they are eating themselves alive. Uh there is Baker Mayfield Wars yet again taking place and we are only week two into the season, so it can get really ugly. Like I was alluding to earlier about the Clippers. The Browns are the Browns. Now, did I pick them to win ten games? I sure as shit did. So I'm sure I'm gonna be a moron and they'll be seven and nine and Baker Mayfield, look at Manziel, and people will tell me I'm an idiot. So, But Joe Burrow, man, this is this is a big opportunity for Joe Burrow to kind of put himself on the map, put Cincinnati on the map. You know, if he comes out on Thursday night, he plays as well as he did against the Chargers, maybe a little bit better, they might beat Cleveland. Thursday night football. He looked really good. I mean, he was pro football focus's 10th-ranked quarterback when throwing from a clean pocket. He was at an 81.9. He looked good, man. I'm excited for Joe Burrow. And this Cleveland defense, if they do, I mean, they didn't even try and defend anything that Baltimore was doing. And Zach Taylor's offense, they're kind of spread it out. There's some read option stuff going on. They have some weapons. Uh, Joe Mixon, his career, his last two games against Cleveland, he's over 308 yards, three touchdowns. So, Oh boy, I mean, get Joe Mixon in your starting lineup. Ace, if you have him, if you're any doubting about it or you want to trade for him, sell the farm for him. He's going to play Cleveland to Thursday night and then one more time at the end of the year. That'll probably win you a fantasy championship. I mean, I don't know what Cleveland is doing. <laughs> I don't know. Every time there's just a little bit of optimism about Cleveland, they somehow figured a way to fuck it up. So, And <laughs> the funny thing is that I think Austin Seibert, I think he's going to be Cincinnati's starting kicker. 
the guy who just missed a shit ton of field goals for Cleveland, he's going to be Cincinnati starter. Now, how absolutely Cleveland be if that guy comes in and hits a game-winning field goal for the Bengals to beat the Browns? That'd be that must be too perfect. So, I I guess I'm rooting for that to happen. But I think I think the Browns win this one, and I think they win it pretty comfortably. I'm talking like they win by like 30 points. I'm I'm I think that's what's going to happen. I think that's what needs to happen, honestly. I don't know if that's going to happen. If they just eke one out against the Bengals, oh my god. Uh and Baker is just mediocre and he's okay. Uh man, Baker's got to be a stud and I don't have a lot of faith that he can be, so I don't know, man. I think and I was just reading that the Browns are talking about shopping Odell Beckham Jr. like I don't This is weird because when the trade happened and Odell was going to be paired up with Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield, you think this is this is going to work? This is going to be great, and it's been a total nightmare. And they just have no chemistry together. And uh, I mean, you you rewatch the Baltimore game. He was all the ball placement was horrible for Odell. When he dropped that really bad one on third down, the ball was not placed where it should have been. If he would have put it on Odell in that that right in the chest, he could have caught him for a little bit on that one. But it's just just inaccuracy, and that's what Baker Mayfield was supposed to hang his hat on. It's just it, that's not going either. So it's just uh, just very it's very frustrating. I can only imagine what it's like to be a Browns fan. I'm just a Baker Mayfield fan, so. Uh, so I think I'm going ahead and wrap it up on that one. So thank you for continuing to listen. I'm over 500 downloads now. That's really cool. Um, so thank you for <laughs> sticking with me. And I know it's, it's a work in progress. It's getting a little bit better. I'm getting more comfortable doing this. It's still not where I want it to be, but it's getting there. So just kind of hang tight with me and we'll, we'll get it to where it needs to be. So just make sure to like, rate, and review after every single episode and continue to tell everybody you know about this. And even if it's complete strangers or someone you're sitting next to on the bus, you just tell them, hey, listen to the Tom Schiffler podcast. And they go, I don't know what that is. And you just tell them, Google it because you have a computer in your pocket. That was a long one. That was a lot of talking. It was mostly just about the Clippers, but it was warranted. I've kind of been like sitting on this all day and I've been chomping at the bit to get off work and then get home from physical therapy and talk about this. So this was, this was a long one. I'm kind of tired from talking. So I'll talk to you on Friday. Enjoy Cincinnati Bengals versus Cleveland Browns. I'll recap it on Friday and then we'll look forward to week two in the NFL. All right. See you. From the bottom of my heart. Thank you. And uh, what can I say? Mamba out. <laughs>